Welcome back to another edition of Pick and Pod. I'm Kelly Bright and alongside Andrew Posadas. Andrew, we were just talking about it before the show began. So happy to be back with you. It's always a great time when we get to host together. Yeah, Kelly, like I, I texted you uh, last night, it's almost like the dynamic duo. We're like Shaq and Kobe, you know, Magic Kareem, Jordan Pippen. I'm obviously the sidekick to, to you, the superstar in, in this uh, regard. But again, always good to be hosting with you and talking basketball because we're getting to the midway point or kind of past the midway point, getting to, you know, all-star weekend or all-star night, if you will. And a lot of great storylines in both conferences, seeing a lot of teams that are trending up and some teams in the background trying to make their way back up. So uh, a lot to get into. Well, Andrew, it's always a good night when you're being compared to Kobe Bryant. And it's always (laughs) a good night when you look at the, you look at the rankings, you look at the records and you see that the New York Knicks are in fourth in the Eastern Conference and sitting at 18-17 above 500. Let me repeat that again because this is a New York-based show. The Knicks are fourth in the Eastern Conference. And Andrew, you and I have both had opportunities now to go see them play in MSG. What's it like? You are born and raised in New York. What's it like seeing this Knicks team play the way they have as of late, as hot as they've been are you are you at the point where you see this as a playoff team or are you not getting your hopes up? Well, let me first preface my uh, response by saying that I'm not I, I will say I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan. I have family down there in Texas. Right. Manu Ginobili is my quote unquote uncle. I think we're related. I don't think he believes that. But whenever whenever I do meet Manu, he will understand like where he's my uncle. I'm his nephew. That's just how it goes. But I, I love the Spurs for that reason. But as a native New Yorker, as you mentioned, I think all of us who love basketball have a spot in our hearts for the Knicks. We want the Knicks to do well. And the fact that they've been inept and they've been just a a bleep show of a franchise for the better part of 20 years since that NBA finals back in 99, when they lost to my Spurs back, back in the day when Tim Duncan was young and Kelly and myself were figments of people's imaginations, not around at that time yet, but uh, I'm guessing, you know, we're not that young, but uh, again, long time ago, but now, with Leon Rose here and what he's been able to, to, do, to do, James Dolan kind of just taking a backseat, allowing Leon Rose and Mills to, to continue forward and, and get this team where they need to be, getting good contracts, not going all in on certain superstars. Obviously, they made deals when they traded Porzingis. Everyone thought they were crazy. Now they look like geniuses having made that move and dealing KP. But... You said it best, 17 and 16, they're in fourth place. Nobody thought at this point in the season, when the Knicks last year got their 17th win, they had already lost 36 games. So the season was already a wash now in fourth place. And when you consider that the standings from fourth to 10th are so jumbled up right now, I think it's only like two or three games separating everybody. I think it plays in the Knicks' favor that the longer they can play this competitive 500 basketball, worst case scenario, they're going to get into the play-in tournament. So I think if you're a Knicks fan, somebody like me who wants to love the Knicks, who wants to embrace the Knicks more, being a New Yorker, I mean, this is about as good as it gets right now. You're in prime position to see your team finally get back to the playoffs. I mean, if the playoffs started today, the Knicks would have home court advantage in the first round. And 
And you just, <laughs> you're right. This is the Eastern Conference, and more than half the teams have 17 losses. And Knicks, the Knicks are one of those teams. And maybe it's lucky that they're not in the West and they are in a conference right now that we're going to get into later, but that has a lot of teams moving up and down every night. It's changing, but the Knicks have looked solid. And you kind of mentioned the front office, the front office is partly in part, if not majority responsible for that. You got to give some of the credit to Thibodeau coming in there. You know, he's known for getting teams to the playoffs, even if it means working twice as hard and taking people you haven't really heard of and making them play defense. But so far, the Knicks look like a playoff team. I mean, they've had guys step up. You think with Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett. That's a dynamic one-two punch that we haven't seen on the Knicks for years. I mean, there was hope that maybe Stoudemire and Carmelo Anthony might have been that, but that never happened. And now you look at, at those two players who, for me, have stepped up in a huge way. You have... Julius Randle, who's an all-star, and he's playing like it night in and night out. And you have R.J. Barrett, who's finally being talked about in a, in a capacity beyond just being compared to Zion Williamson and John Moran. I saw a tweet, and I think you favorited it too because it was on my timeline. And over the last six weeks, R.J. Barrett is out shooting Morant from the three-point line by a significant amount. And it just goes to show how well-developed these players are and how much – the coaching staff in the Knicks organization has done with taking some of these younger player, younger players and giving the Knicks that young core that they've been searching for, for so many years. Yeah. I got to correct myself first. I said, Steve Mills. I mean, Scott Perry, Scott Perry Perry. is the GM him and Leon Rose have really worked in lockstep and putting this roster together and really giving coach Tibbs uh, the ideal. I mean, it's a start. I think it's a great foundation to move forward with, and you mentioned R.J. Barrett, and R.J. really is the key to this. I mean, if he can continue the trajectory that he's on, he can be an all-star wing in this league. And if he can become that, then I think for the Knicks, they don't have to go all in on a potential trade for Bradley Beal. Because if you trade for Brad Beal, you have to give up R.J. Barrett. I can't imagine a situation where the Wizards don't ask for Barrett in return. But Coach Tibbs, I mean, think about this. This is a team that, you know, I got to go to Knicks games and report on them for FUV last season. And in games where this team saw adversity, they would usually fold, whether it was Fizdale under the helm or Mike Miller down the stretch for the remainder of the season. But with Coach Tibbs, this team really doesn't waver. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. They respond when need be. Against the Pacers on Saturday, I was there, you know, with Sabonis, guys like McDermott and Justin Holiday knocking down threes. Indiana comes back. You know, they take a 16-point lead. The Knicks respond. And that's something we didn't see last season. So for now... The foundation is there. Do they need a superstar to get them to that championship level? Of course. Could that potentially be Julius Randle, somebody else? We don't know yet, but I think those are viable parts and parts that you can use. And I think now with what you have at your disposal, I think free agents are going to look at New York and say, all right, that's a destination for me. Now the Knicks are relevant. Now the Knicks are quote unquote title contenders. And now I can see myself rocking the blue and orange. But again, at fourth place, 17 and 16, Knicks fans really couldn't ask for, I think Knicks fans would have been happy if New York won 30 games. They went 30 and 42 and finished 11th or 12th, just outside of the play-in. So Knicks fans have to be grateful. And there was a great video after the game of Knicks fans just dancing in the street, acting a fool. And I know 
Nick NBA Twitter's like, come on, Knicks fans, calm down, relax. Don't tell these fans to relax. This is what they've been waiting for, Kelly. We've Knicks fans, I would say New Yorkers ourselves, we've just been waiting for the Knicks to be relevant again, to have something to cheer for. And we have so many Knicks fans here at FUV who would, uh, you know, uh, echo my sentiments. But again, I, I think for what the Knicks are doing right now, they are absolutely in ideal position to get into the postseason and whatever happens there, I think you're just playing with house money. Right. And you got to think if I'm a Knicks fan, when we started the season, that being in the playoffs wasn't even part of the conversation. You know, what did they need to do? They need to lose respectfully so they could secure a top draft pick, develop young talent and just not, do anything stupid like like they normally do and now they're in fourth place they're likely going to be at least a low tier playoff team if not higher and my thing when you look you said you mentioned needing a superstar potentially when you go into this march 25th trade deadline you have to make sure that you're not sacrificing too much because like you said you know there are some superstars out there levine bradley beal but those are superstars for a reason. And the price that's going to come along with them, you, you got to ask yourself as a front office with the Knicks, is it worth sacrificing so many of the players you've invested so much time in at this point? I mean, I think for once, part of the Knicks specialty this year is the fact that they had depth. Their second unit has been arguably stronger than their first unit. Last night, they had five players score in double figures. Randall, RJ, Burks, Derek Rose, IQ. And then Nerlens Noel has been stepping up, even though Mitchell Robinson's been out. And you have depth. You have a cohesive unit, which is something New York has been lacking for a while. So when you go into this trade deadline, as good as it looks for someone like Zach Levine or Bradley Beal to be in a New York's New York Knicks uniform, I, I think it, it might be a little bit too soon to sacrifice that many good players because, I mean, that conversation is going to start with somebody like RJ Barrett quickly, Obi Toppin, a lot of people that these Knicks fans are excited about and, and for good reason. So I, I think it, I think if this is a buy and sell conversation, I, you know, trade, keep, I think you're going to keep more than you're going to sell. I, I think right now you keep sticking to the plan and unless you someone falls into your lap for a great price, I don't think you sacrifice a large, any significant amount of your roster. Yeah, I, I can't see the Knicks making any moves or any drastic moves because when I think about it like this, when the Milwaukee Bucks traded for Drew Holiday, I think they gave New Orleans like three first round picks and, and then some players and salaries and whatnot. So think about what a Bradley Beal or, or a Zach Levine's going to cost. You're talking about three, you're mortgaging the entire decade of your first round picks and you're going to have to give away all of your core pieces in order to attain a, a superstar cornerstone cornerstone excuse me franchise player like a Bradley Beal so I think for the Knicks you just got to stand pat you're working with house money like I just said nobody expected you to be where you are anything that stays any success anything that is any anything short of a postseason appearance like it's all right I think Knicks fans are going to be all right with that the franchise will be fine with that if they get to the postseason then get swept in the first round Knicks fans are they going to be disappointed yes but again they weren't even thinking first round aspirations. So everything they're getting right now is just a little bit extra on their plate that they can consume because Knicks fans, as we've known, their plate ha has been hella empty for more than two decades. They have nothing to consume because the Knicks ha have been god awful. Ultimately, the Knicks, and it's crazy for me to think because talking about the Knicks and winning, it, it just seems foreign. 
but it's true. This is a good team. They play great defense. Julius Randle is an all-star. Everyone questioned when the trade, when the Knicks traded up to 25 to get Emmanuel quickly. And you mentioned that bench, him, Alec Burks, those are guys that can give you that pop. So they're not only just a defensive-minded team, there are guys there who are capable of scoring. And if this, t- if this team continues to build their chemistry and come to form, uh, alongside a guy in Tibbs who's, you know, battle-tested, been in the postseason before, he's had his runs. I think it's a great combination for the Knicks to maybe get into the postseason and put a scare in somebody in the first round and really build on that moving forward. Yeah, Andrew, and like we mentioned before, this is the conference to do it in. And I kind of want to transition into that larger conversation about the Eastern Conference because you look at it right now and nine of the league's 30 teams are within two games of five 500. Seven of the 15 Eastern Conference teams are in that list. And you look at, if you look at the Western Conference, your San Antonio Spurs, they would be alone at fourth place in the East, and they have five fewer losses than the Knicks. So this Eastern Conference, maybe not as strong record-wise as the Western Conference, but I think that makes the conversation a lot more interesting. And to kick off this conversation Every time we do a show together, Andrew, we got to remind the people, we got to remind the fans (laughs) that we have a season long bet going. And let me break it down really quick. Essentially, Andrew and I did the NBA preview podcast and we gave our predictions. We talked about who we thought rookie of the year, MVP. And then Andrew was very high on Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. And I said, no way. Are they going to be good? You know who I think is going to be good, Andrew? I said the 76ers. Trust the process. Joel Embiid, Philadelphia 76ers. So we made a bet that whichever team had a better record and placed better by the end of the season, the other person is going to have to buy the buy the winner something from Starbucks. And Andrew, looking at the Eastern Conference right now, guess who is in first place? <sighs> This, uh, now I know how Utah Watanabe felt when, when he l- went up and Anthony Edwards came and just put him in a body bag uh, not too long ago in, in that game between the T-Wolves and the Raptors. I mean, what can I say? Uh, listen, I thought Portland, they've been through so much injury. You got guys who are out left and right. Damian Lillard's out there with no names. There are guys going off the street in Portland and putting on uniforms. And now for Kelly, Joel Embiid has just decided to be a monster. Ben Simmons is just chugging along, giving you 18, 7, and 8. And Doc Rivers, again, revenge tour for Doc. You know, he got, he basically got, uh, uh, what was exiled from Los Angeles. Everyone thought it was his fault that they lost in the bubble last year. He's doing a hell of a job down there. So Kelly, you got it for now. I mean, Philly's 22 and 12. My Blazers right now currently stand in sixth place. They're 18 and 14, but you know what? Don't doubt Dame because Dame's here. He's in the MVP conversation too. Remember I did call him. <laughs> the winner. So again, as long as Dame stays healthy, it's all right. Brooklyn's coming and, and they're going to give the Sixers a rude awakening because Brooklyn's going to finish first. You guys aren't finishing first. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I have to give you that. I do think that I think Brooklyn has too much going. That, that, that big three is too dangerous, even though they haven't played many games with all three, Kyrie, Harden and KD. But still, as long as 76ers finish with a better record than the Blazers, I'll be content. I'll be happy. But you look at this Eastern Conference and you just mentioned the Nets. And to me, 
the Nets are still the biggest challengers in the East. I, you know, even right now, they like I just mentioned, they haven't had all three, but they've still had players step up in a big way. Bruce Brown. I didn't know who that guy was. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know who he was <laughs> until the season. Apparently he was on Detroit. Apparently he got traded in November, but oh my God, has he played well as of late. And he's, I don't even know what position he's playing. I mean, he's listed at six, four, which means he's probably maybe six, three and he's playing center. Maybe? Yeah. He's guarding multiple positions. He has length wingspan. I mean, he just wasn't getting, I guess enough rotation minutes. I believe he was in Washington to Washington, Detroit wasn't getting enough time there, but with the injuries that the Nets have suffered, Bruce Brown's kind of found a spot. Nick Claxton has come back. I mean, the Nets right now, and then they're still it, it may be in the works for Andre Drummond. I mean, come on. The Nets couldn't get any richer right now. They're, they're only adding to their arsenal and they've really found some guys who are giving them valuable minutes. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the rest of this Eastern Conference and I think the Nets have been the most consistent, especially since the addition of James Harden. One team that not to be not to make a pun, not to be cliche, but they're on fire is the Miami Heat. And I know you were really high on them when they were in the bubble and they've won six games in a row now and they're rapidly climbing those rankings. They had a slow start, but you got to remember they haven't. They also have had the injury bug. They've also had to deal with covid related uh, limitations. Tyler Hero is not even back yet. Butler's missed a lot of games. You know, they've just they've been missing some of their key players. But what do you think about the Heat? Is, is this just a fluke, these six games or are they going to be competitive in the second half of the season? No, Kelly, I mean, this is has to be the real deal. We saw what they did in the bubble when you have a guy like Eric Spolstra as your head coach and Pat Riley and everybody who has that championship pedigree down there in South Beach. Th this team is going to be one of the more mentally stronger teams in terms of navigating an entire season. We saw them do that in the bubble on their way to the NBA Finals. And I think for the Heat, I think their benefit was they got those injuries early in the season. You know, Jimmy Butler, Hero, Goran Dragic, you know, guys missing some time, Bam Adebayo early on. And now they're back and they're back and they're getting themselves back to form. And again, when, when you're a team and you bring everyone and everyone returns from that team that went to the finals, it, it's easy once your guys are healthy to get back and have that rapport and be where you were last season and get back to that you know, championship form in that perennial contender form that the Heat have. But again, you mentioned the Eastern Conference and we talked about the Knicks, but when you talk about the Heat from five all the way down to 12, the Washington Wizards, who we all thought were dead in the water a couple of weeks ago, between the Heat at five and the Wizards at 12, only three games separate them. So conceivably, if the Wizards, who had won, what, five straight, they won like seven out of eight games before their last loss to your Celtics. If the Wizards could go on another streak where they win five in a row and a couple of teams ahead of them lose three out of four, the Washington Wizards could find themselves in the sixth, the seventh, the eighth seed. It, it really is crazy right now. It's a toss up. But what we do know is the three best teams in the Eastern Conference, Brooklyn, Philly, and Milwaukee. That's what we know right now. Now Miami could put their, they could put their hat in that conversation if they continue trending upward. And I would be more than happy to do so. I'm sure Alex Walls will be more than happy to wave his pom-poms in there about his Miami heat. But other than that, there are three clear cut great teams in the East. And then from there, there are about eight or nine teams 
that are fighting for position. And I'm here for the chaos, Kelly. I know you're here for the chaos too. As long as the Sixers finish with a better record with the uh, than the Blazers, that's another story. But here in the Eastern Conference, I, I think you're seeing that now more than ever, teams are going to have to decide come the trade deadline on, on March 25th, there are going to be some teams buying, some teams selling. So who's going to take advantage of that period? We look at the Atlanta Hawks. You know, they're 14 and 20. They're a couple of games out right now two and a half out of the AC, but they just fired coach Lloyd Pierce. So at this point, teams are trying to make that decision. Are we all in on making the playoffs? Or are we just going to head back into the lottery and see if we can continue building now is put up or shut up time. And in the East, the door is open for a bunch of teams, nearly 10 teams to get one of those final three or four playoff spots. It's going to be hectic. Oh, Andrew, I I think you said that perfectly. I mean, This trade deadline is going to make or break a lot of the second half of the season for a lot of these teams. You know, a lot of, a lot of, like you said, these these are game, these are teams that are a game apart from each other. You know, every night these, these rankings could switch up completely. And, and it's going to come down to not only what your roster looks like, who you can trade for, but also who's going to weather the second half of a season that's already been through COVID nightmares, COVID protocols, Who's going to stay healthy injury-wise? Who's going to have their stars towards the end of the season and also pl- come playoff time? Who's going to show up? Because we've seen the Bucks are a perfect example of a team who dominates year in the past few years in the regular season, and then come post you know postseason time, they they don't show up. They're not they're not making it to the finals. So I, I think the Eastern Conference is going to be very interesting the closer we get to the playoffs. And it is very early right now. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Celtics fan, so I'm clinging to our bet and and the 76ers because there's not much right now to root for than with the Celtics other than that game the other night with Jason Tatum finally breaking his slump going 12 for 22 with the game winner over Washington on Sunday but you know there there are a bunch of key guys and, and it's going to be very exciting you know coming out of the break to see what some of these teams are able to do but I want to ask you this two teams that are in first place on the East and the West are both in first by a good amount, which it doesn't say much for the rest of the conferences because the rest of it, like you said, is kind of a wash at this point. Philadelphia 76ers are in first in the East and the Utah Jazz are in first in the West. Now I, in preparation for this podcast, I went back and I listened to some of the shows we did before the season even started and neither one of us put the Jazz in the, in the top three. Which which of these two teams are you more surprised by? And and maybe it's the Jazz. And if you want, you can start with that. You know what? I would have to say the Jazz. Obviously, the Sixers, you know, that's a good team. They're one of the top four, top five teams in the East. But for the Jazz themselves, after what happened against the Nuggets and blowing that, I think a lot of people were skeptical, skeptical, excuse me, if the Jazz could be, you know, one of the top teams in a loaded Western Conference. But I think it's the way they're doing it, Kelly. They've been great from beyond the arc. That's not traditionally what we've seen from the Jazz in the past few seasons. It's a team that likes to attack the paint and they play on their defense. Well, they're still really good defensively. You got Rudy Gobert, you got capable defenders and Royce O'Neal on the perimeter. But this offense has come around and with Donovan Mitchell at the point guard position, I think him as the primary ball handler and being able to not only score, but facilitate and find guys like Mike Conley, Bogdanovich. Jordan Clarkson, who is right now 
in the lead by a wide margin for sixth man of the year. I think what Coach Schneider and this team is doing now, they've really developed their players. They didn't make any drastic trades. I mean, you bring in by you bring Conley, but nothing crazy where the foundational pieces had to be moved. And now they're starting to pay dividends. And again, they're up three and a half games over the Lakers. And the Lakers, obviously, without AD, the Clippers have been a little up and down. Phoenix, a team that I like, they're still emerging. But again, a young team. So for Utah, this is a time for them to take advantage. You're 27 and seven. You got to keep riding this high for as long as you can, because with the Lakers compromise and the Clippers and other teams uh, a bit stagnant, not trending and not playing as well as we saw them earlier. This is a chance for Utah to really take further advantage and separate themselves from the pack. But I think it has to be Utah just because this is a team that, you know, we love what we're seeing from them in the regular season. But Kelly, we know that when it comes down to postseason time, when the game slows down and teams key in on your key players and you have to do the same and you have to see a team six, seven times, are we going to take the Jazz over the Lakers, over the Clippers? Probably not. So I love what the Jazz is doing. I think they're the bigger surprise, but we're going to have to wait to see what happens come May and to see if the Jazz can transition what they're doing here in the regular season and make a deep run in the playoffs potentially. Yeah, I have to agree. Obviously, I was pretty high in the 76ers going into the season. The Jazz pretty much came out of nowhere. Gigi and I talked about them on the podcast last week because – First of all, we just we never give Jazz enough love, and 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 there's they've been such a good team for so long, and some of their players, Rudy Gobert, we don't talk about enough. Donovan Mitchell, like you mentioned, I don't think we talk about enough. So this is a team that's used to pretty much flying under the radar, and now here they are, like you said, sitting on top of that Western Conference, which I believe is more competitive, not well, arguably more competitive than the Eastern Conference, and they just completed one of the tougher ten game stretches of their season and went eight and two. They beat the Pacers, Celtics, Bucks, Heat, Sixers. So they're they're taking out these best teams in the East. And now you look at who they're going to have to face in the West. And it's that defending champion LA Lakers squad. And I think right now it's tricky because, like you mentioned, the Lakers are without AD. And the Lakers without AD is a completely different team. It is a completely different team. And it's really not an accurate representation of the Los Angeles Lakers that this that the Utah Jazz could face in the final. So if the Lakers are able to stay healthy and get Anthony Davis back and are able to keep their stacked lineup the way it is once they get into the playoff, I don't see the Jazz being able to overcome that kind of star power and that kind of depth. However, I think they have the best shot at giving them a run for their money. And I think right now, if you look at the teams as they are right now, I think the Jazz, they're playing better. I mean, you just mentioned some of their strengths, you know, Rudy Gobert shut down defense and you mentioned they built the team around him this offseason. They didn't change too much. They only, like you said, they made a few acquisitions, nothing big. Quinn Snyder, honestly, candidate could be a candidate for coach of the year that what he's done with this team, the work ethic that he's developed in all his players. Donovan Mitchell, like you said, has stepped up in a big way. And, and you just look around this team and, and they're just solid. They're solid day in and day out. And they're shooting the three point, the three point super well, which is, which is very helpful, especially in this league, which is such a three point dominant league. And, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. Every player in the rotation is shooting at least 36 from the three, 36% from the three point line, except Rudy Gobert, but that's okay because he's easily one of the top three defenders in the league. So like I said, if the Lakers are able to come back and be the team that we all expected them to be at the, in the beginning of the season, I still think they will be too much for the Jazz 
to defeat. However, I do think the Jazz are a formidable threat and not someone to take lightly, especially going into playoffs. Oh, you said it best. I mean, the Jazz is a team shooting 40% from deep, so their offense is looking very legitimate. But I think back to what Jimmy Butler said in the bubble uh, about LeBron James. He said the test at the end of the day is LeBron James. That's it. When, when it comes down to it, you're going. if you want to win a championship, you have to go through LeBron James. And that's what Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Quinn Snyder, all of these guys on the Jazz, when they get to the postseason and if they can win and get to the conference finals potentially, and LeBron James and Anthony Davis is standing on the other side of that court, can they solve that problem, which is LeBron James? A lot of people have tried. A lot have failed. So for the Jazz, can they do so? That's a question that still remains to be answered. But Kelly, I do want to give flowers to Doc Rivers and the Sixers. I mean, this is a team you thought was going to be right there at the top of the Eastern Conference. And when we think about teams like Milwaukee and teams like uh, Toronto and Miami, who we thought were immediately going to be there at the top, and then a team like Brooklyn, who we thought was going to emerge and be a contender too, they sit there in first place. I mean, they're a half game up on Brooklyn, and Brooklyn is right there on their tail. But when Doc Rivers got there after what happened and Paul George saying that, you know, insinuating it was kind of Doc's fault why it didn't work out, everyone thought, all right, Doc's going to Philly. He's going to break up this Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons tandem. Doc was like, no, I'm keeping them. These two guys are stars. This is a dynamic duo. We have to build around them. They add Seth Curry. And now, you know, with some younger guys like Maxi and Shake Milton, you know, there's some strong pieces there. Tobias Harris looks comfortable now. You know, his contract, everyone knows the pressure's on him to perform. And I think he seems more comfortable in his role in getting his scoring off of what Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons do. But for Philadelphia, you know, this is a team, if, if Ben Simmons, and we're not asking him to make, you know, you're not Steph Curry from beyond the arc, but you have to keep defenses honest. And if Joel can stay healthy and Doc can will this team and keep this team's confidence level high, I mean, Brooklyn, they're going to find themselves in a seven-game series. If they have to see Philadelphia, that's one of those teams that are going to pose matchup nightmares with Simmons and Embiid. So, Kelly, you were on it before the season, but credit to Doc Rivers. A lot of people thought he was going to blow it up. He didn't, and much like Quinn Snyder, he is right there in the mix for Coach of the Year. I completely agree. And you just really quick, you just said Ben Simmons doesn't have to shoot threes, but he made a three. He made a three the other night. I think he's, <laughs> I think it was the second of the season. So, <laughs> and I will say, I think for betters who had that game, I think that three had put it over. <laughs> so whatever the number was, if you had had the under that three, you lost money on a. Think about that. You lost a sports bet on a Ben Simmons three point shot. I don't think there's any worse sort of ending that you could have when he makes that three and he puts your ticket in the trash. I mean, good Lord for anybody that had the under in that game, Kelly. And I think right now, when you talk about what we've seen to have the Sixers and the Jazz at the top right now coming in to this break before All-Star Night on March 7th, I believe, it's it's fun to see. And with 
the teams being, you know, we talk about the Eastern Conference and how jumbled up it is. Well, I mean, when you talk about the West between the Lakers at two and you talk about San Antonio, Portland, you know, they're only four, four and a half, five games away. So again, for some of those teams like a Portland, like a Denver, Dallas is still in the mix trying to fight Memphis, New Orleans. You know, there are a few teams there that, you know, if they can make some deals at the deadline or if they can just start to find their rhythm, I mean, the West could become really, really crowded. And I think this year for both playing tournaments, East and West, I think it's going to be absolute just pandemonium. I think there's going to be four teams, five teams that are going to be within two games. I think our playing tournaments before the actual playoffs start, I think we're in for a treat. This year has really just been almost March Madness-esque, and I'm hoping for that same energy come May and come June when the playoffs get going. I mean, you can't ask for anything more than good basketball, right? And even you look <laughs> at the two teams we just talked about, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Utah Jazz, both teams strong defenses. And what's the oldest saying when it comes to basketball, you know, defense wins championships. And you look at both these teams and, you know, Ben Simmons, I think he could be a candidate for defensive player of the year. I mentioned Rudy Gobert as well. So I think there's a lot of quality basketball to come in and it's going to be exciting because as you mentioned, there's still a lot of trade rumors that, that haven't been answered. Even if you look at the 76ers themselves, they missed out on that Harden trade. A lot of people thought they were going to cash in on that. And they still have two of their all-stars. They still have pieces to move. And you look at some of the people's left out there, Kyle Lowry, Raptors point guard, he's from Philly. So, you know, could they potentially bring him, uh, you know, a, a home hometown guy back in to maybe contend for a title? J.J. Redick, he's not a creator, but he makes threes, which could help space out things. He was also for, with Philly before. Exactly. So there, there's a bunch of options out there. And, and it, again, it's always too early to tell. And as much as we want to try and predict things, you we're almost never right, which is just the fun of talking of sports. But, you know, I, I, I'm confident that the 76ers are going to stay within that top three. I, I'm not sure if they're going to come out on top of the Eastern conference. It's just too crazy there. there's just too much basketball left to play. Um, and I think a lot of pieces are going to move around, but Andrew, we're not going anywhere, and this has been fun. This is always fun with you hosting Pick and Pod. Uh, hope to do it again with you soon. I know you're about to head out and call the men's basketball tournament. Good luck to Fordham men's basketball in the A-10. You know, good luck to Fordham women's team, which is which will be starting yes. soon. They play March you know. 5th against GW, and then, of course, the tournament for them, A-10 championship, March 10th. They're on a double bye, so I believe they will start exactly. the 12th. So, yes. Ugh. Exactly. You know, exciting things at Ford and exciting things across the NBA. Andrew, always a good time. I'm Kelly Bright. This has been Pick and Pod, a production of WFUV Sports. <laughs>